Good morning, Northgate Baptist Church. He has risen. I love it. This is uh, such a good day. Uh, we just want to welcome you uh, in person, online. Uh, we're just looking forward to this church service. Just a few quick announcements. Um, offering. This month of April, one-eighth of our offering is going towards our NEB missions and ministries. Um, next Sunday, we're not sure if we're going to be able to join in person or not. Uh, I think it's safe to say that we will probably just move back to online, but that's not for sure 100% yet. So just um, if we do meet again, we'll send everybody an email. But it, for sure, we'll just uh, continue online. Um, also, we just want to give um, a plug-in for the Logos program. I promised my wife I would announce this. So the Logos program is a Christian education um, within the public school system. It's a really good program. I've personally sent uh, both of my girls through the program. I'm really happy with it. It's 20 bucks a year for membership. So if you know children who um, want to have a Christian education in the public school system uh, and want more information, you can contact my wife, Charlie Monroe, and, and she can uh, tell you more about that. So also, our church is um, recognizing there's a need uh, there's um, like a lot of homeless people approaching our, our church and, and wanting help. So we're thinking that we want to collect um, things for a care package for them. So we want to collect socks, new socks, underwear, toothbrushes, um, you know, bottled water, protein bars. The, all the list is in the bulletin for the details with that. And if you could just drop them off at the church so we can uh, make these care packages and we're going to put a gospel track in them and things like that, just so that we have something tangible just to give to people who uh, come to our church. Also, uh, we just want to give you a heads up. Um, first service was really great. Uh, we just want to just to respect the AHS rules with social distancing. Um, after, and you guys are more than welcome to stay and visit, but we just ask that you kind of move the visitations outside and things like that. So, uh, Also, we want to thank the volunteers of our church. Just a huge shout out to all the IT and sound people. Uh, without them, we would not be able to have church at all in regards to online or maybe not even in person. So just a huge thank you to you guys. Huge thanks to all the volunteers that do ushering uh, during this pandemic as well, too. It takes a lot of people to make this happen. So thank you so much. Uh, let's just pray and give uh, our service to the Lord. Father God, we thank you so much, Lord, that um, you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross, Lord. And today he rose, and we praise you for that. Because of that, we can have life, God. And we thank you so much for um, everything you've done for us, Lord. And we just uh, commit the service into your hands, Jesus. And I pray for Pastor Mark, Lord. I ask that your Holy Spirit would just speak through him, God, and that uh, what he says, Lord, that uh, you would just use his words to draw us closer to you, Father. And we just uh, pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, we're going to move on to the kids' time, and then we will go on to the rest of the service. Good morning. The Lord is risen. Oh, I love doing that. 
It's so good to be together. Uh, it really is. What a special day that we can actually do this a little bit in person. Uh, because we have so much to celebrate uh, this morning as we look at the resurrection of Jesus. If you have your Bibles with you, open up to Luke. Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, as we read about the greatest event to ever happen in history. And we have been preparing for this day. Uh, last couple of weeks, as we've been going through our sermon series, uh, talking about Jesus' final days. You know, we saw Jesus anointed uh, in love. There's the Last Supper, uh, his agonizing prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, the unjust trial at Caiaphas's house, uh, the de denial of Peter, and then on Good Friday, the cross itself. But all of those things uh, have surely been leading us to this very moment when on the third day, the tomb was empty and Jesus was alive. And if you want to follow along, we're going to read that in Luke 24, beginning in verse 1. It says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground. The men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while you were still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And on the third day, rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and the mother, Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloth by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Let's pray. Father God, uh, Lord, how good it is just today to be together. Uh, not, just to, not just to worship you, but Lord, to celebrate this truth that Jesus is alive. Lord, the greatest, the greatest truth um, that can be proclaimed. And Lord, as we celebrate Easter this morning, as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus, we pray that, Lord, because you are alive and you are risen, that, Lord, you would be with us, even now, through your Holy Spirit. That, Lord, you would just guide our thoughts, guide our, guide our minds. And, Lord, may we, may we just be focused on you. And may you be high and lifted up this morning. May you be exalted. May you be praised. May you be worshipped. And may we just come, Lord, to this inevitable understanding that Jesus is alive. And that we would let that truth just change the, the rest of our lives. Yeah, help us to live in the truth of Jesus' resurrection this morning as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> well, we, uh, we find ourselves in the middle of a pandemic. I don't know if you've been paying attention to that or not, uh, but it's been happening. And I want to take you, just as we begin, back to another pandemic at another time. The Great Plague of London took place in the year 1664. And sickness just crept through the, the, the streets of the city, um, just, I mean, it was a sadistic killer, wreaked havoc. But yet in May of that year, uh, the plague, when the plague 
first claimed its first few victims, it was actually mostly ignored. Uh, people just sort of weren't bothered. But a year later, in May of the next year, 600 people by then had died. By June, it was now 6,000 people. By July, it was 17,000 people. And by August of that year, 31,000 people died in that month alone. And by then, people were fleeing the city like rats from a sinking ship. However, the disease was already crawling its way across all of Europe. There's nowhere left to run. And when it was over, it was estimated that 100,000 people died in the city of London alone uh, because of this plague, claiming the life of one out of every four people who lived in the city. And because they didn't have sort of our understanding that we have today, many at that time thought that the plague was actually caused by polluted air uh, that smothered the city of London. So the physicians actually came up with a unique treatment to try to find a cure. They would take their victims outside to a bed of roses, and there the patients would form a circle around the roses, and they would walk around the circle, just breathing deep the, the fragrance of the blossoms. They believed that that would actually flush the disease out of their lungs. For those who were too ill to go outside, the physicians would take rose petals and stuff them in the pockets of their garments. And for those who were even sicker and near death, the physicians would actually burn rose petals and they would grind up the, 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 the remains into ashes and they would uh, bring them up near their noses of the victim so they could breathe in the ashes, hoping it would make them sneeze and in that way flush out the diseased air. Of course, none of those treatments worked, but it did give rhyme to a, a birth to a very popular rhyme that most of us know well. It's simply ring around the roses, pocket full of poses, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. And it's strange, you know, that what we know as a very innocent little nursery rhyme would begin in such a very horrible way. And yet, the truth of that one line at the very end is as real for us today as it was for everyone back then. The truth is that we all fall down. Because whether you're facing the Great Plague or the Black Plague or even our old friend coronavirus, that's really how life feels sometimes just feels like we're falling down. That's actually why I called this sermon a message of hope for troubled times. Because I know there are people who are here who are listening who are going through a tough time right now. Many here have had a very tough year with all kinds of problems and hardships and struggles and loneliness. And for others, I know it's been even longer than a year. Uh, in fact, some people have been struggling for so long it feels like life is just there to knock them down. And when we get back up, we just seem to get knocked back down all over again. Because there's no real way to sugarcoat the truth that whether it's COVID or no COVID, there are times when life is just tough. There's times when we just feel like life is knocking us down. And that's precisely where the disciples of Jesus found themselves. That morning of the very first Easter so long ago. <clears throat> As we read in Luke 24, beginning of verse 1, it says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But they, when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And we need to understand, as Luke introduces this group of Jesus' followers to us in this chapter, 
He's introducing us to a group of people who felt like they'd just been knocked down. People who had just lost their way. People who had lost their hope. The crucifixion happened and they, they didn't know where to turn. Because that first Easter morning, I mean, they weren't on their way to a spring festival or a pancake breakfast or a sunrise service. That first Easter morning, the disciples were on their way to the cemetery to finish burying their master and their best friend. Understand, they weren't excited about plans they had for some long weekend. They were not looking forward to the amazing thing they felt God was going to do next. In fact, I think God probably felt pretty distant during those long, dark hours of the night as they waited for the light of dawn. You know, so often as Christians, as people who know the truth of the resurrection, I think sometimes we just fail to remember the desperate condition that our lives were in before we received the gospel. Before we heard that the Lord is risen. But you know what? If you want to know what life without the resurrection, the truth of the resurrection looks like, all you need to do is take a good long look at these women who are going to the tomb. They're discouraged. They're depressed. They're afraid. They're confused. And they're probably feeling pretty helpless and pretty all alone. And even today, there are millions of people who are still living in very much the same way, day after day. Because if you don't know the joy of the empty tomb, chances are you only know the pain of an empty life. And there's still people who, who are afraid of what tomorrow is going to hold. There's still people living without any source of joy or peace who are waking up to face each new day without any kind of hope. People who feel like the shadow of death has cast its darkness over them. And for them, light is just a distant memory. And it can happen to any one of us. It can happen when the boss shows up and gives you your pink slip and says there's just no more work. And you've got bills to pay. It can happen when the strains of life just begin taking its toll and tearing apart your marriage and your relationships and your family can happen when the doctor gives you the news you didn't want to hear about your health and tells you it's terminal. can happen even out of the blue when a pandemic strikes and suddenly you're told you can no longer see those people that you love face to face. You can no longer feel their touch. You can no longer give them a hug. Now life is just isolation and being alone. And surely it can happen when death silently sneaks into your life and just steals away someone you love. And all you can really do is try to say goodbye the best you can. Because we all fall down. And it hurts. And when those things, those hurts, those sorrows, when those things start piling up, they can lead you to this place where you begin to think that's all there is. That this is the darkness and the light will never shine. And, you know, I think the disciples were actually in that place in our passage. You know, over the past few days, those disciples had experienced so much loss, so much hurt, so much sorrow and regret. They couldn't see anything brighter on the horizon. I think we even get a clue of that as we read in our passage. Beginning of verse 6, the angel said, Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered 
into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day, rise. And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But verse 11 says, But these words seemed to them an idle tale. And they did not believe them. Did you hear the, the, the reaction of the disciples? They were so discouraged that they actually couldn't believe that things could be different. Even the announcement of this good news was met with skepticism and even outright rejection. Even the promise of hope and the resurrection felt like it was news that was too good to be true. And that's a very dark place, I think, that any one of us can get to. Where even the idea of hope seems like an impossible dream. And what an utterly empty way of looking at life. Author Philip Yancey describes a unique funeral custom that's conducted by a a certain tribe in Africa. He says, when someone passes away, the close family and friends gather together and form a circle around the casket and they just quietly gaze upon the corpse. There's no singing, there's no flowers, there's no tears. And then a peppermint candy is passed out to everyone in attendance. And each one puts the candy in his or her mouth. And when the candy is gone, each participant is reminded that life for this person is simply over. And that there's nothing left. They believe life simply dissolves. That ultimately life is without meaning or purpose or value. And again, what a miserable way to face death. And what a miserable way to think about life. But you know what, I'm telling you this, and I'm actually dwelling on sort of the darkness and the hopelessness of this moment for a very important purpose. And that purpose is because it is precisely at moments like this. It's in those moments when you have nothing else left. When you feel like your hopes and your dreams have all died and your plans and your desires have come to nothing. It is then that the gospel of Jesus Christ shines brightest and best. It is into the deepest darkness of life that Easter comes to shine its light. It's to a hopeless people. It's to a discouraged people, it's to a troubled people that the message of Easter was meant to be heard in the first place. And what a message it was as we continue reading in verse 4. It says, While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day, rise. So how do you think the women who heard the angels speak, that truth reacted? How do you think their hearts responded? How did it change their outlook on life when they finally understood that Jesus was no longer in the grave? Well, I think it changed everything. And that's why the truth of Easter matters. 
Because Easter reaches into our brokenness. Easter reaches into our pain. Easter reaches into our hopelessness and into our hurts and into all of our troubles. And Easter speaks hope. Did you know, and I found this out this week, that the word hope is used 71 times in the New Testament. 71 times. But did you know that the word hope is only used two times in the New Testament before the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And that makes sense to me because real hope, true hope, comes from the resurrection. The resurrection is the reason for our hope. Our hope is rooted in the truth that Jesus is alive, that he is risen. And that's what Easter is all about. And you know what? We shouldn't complicate this. Three simple words. Jesus is alive. That's the message. He's not in the tomb. He is risen, just as he said. That's the truth we celebrate today. And it's the truth I want you to hear this Easter morning. Because Easter is more than just a three-day weekend. It's more than just you know, another holiday. It's more than just an excuse to, to run around and eat chocolate and hunt for Easter eggs. And for a lot of people, that's all that Easter is. But for us as believers, as followers of Christ, Easter, it's everything. I mean, Easter means the resurrection happened. And the resurrection's changed everything. I actually like to read this reminder every year, but because the resurrection... It means Jesus who was who he claimed to be. The resurrection means that Jesus had the power he claimed to have. The resurrection means that Jesus did what he promised to do. The resurrection means that my past can be forgiven. The resurrection means that my present problems can be managed. The resurrection means that my future is secure. And the resurrection means that in Christ, death is no longer the end. The first sermon ever preached by the disciples was preached by Peter, and it was about the resurrection. And every place that the Apostle Paul preached, he preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In every book in the New Testament, the resurrection is the key to all of the claims held within. Jesus' resurrection is the Bible's greatest miracle and history's greatest fact. The grave could not hold him, death could not harm him, and not even a tomb of stone could darken the light of the world. And there's over 300 verses in the New Testament concerning the subject of Jesus' resurrection. Because the Word of God wants to proclaim this truth to you and to me over and over again that the resurrection happened. That Jesus is alive. And that's what it's all about. And that's why the darkness can't last. That's why sorrow in the end can never really win. And that's why even in the face of death, we can hold on to an unshakable hope. Hope that makes a difference. And you know what? As we close, let's just look at four ways that Easter does make a difference in our lives. Um, Because the first way, if you'll notice in our passage, that Easter makes a difference is that everything changes in the hearts and the lives of these women and even in the disciples later on. By the end of this passage, Because Easter means transformation. Easter means Jesus changes our lives. And you know, all around around us right now today, there are people who are desperate for change in their lives. Desperate for something different. 
But you know what? This transformation that we're talking about, it doesn't happen because the women took a self-help course. It doesn't happen due due to the power of positive thinking in their lives. It's not due to diligent planning or self-discipline or following Jordan Peterson's 12 rules. It's not due to some stroke of good luck or winning the lottery or any of those other things. No, the reason that everything changes in their lives is because Jesus is alive. And it is the risen Lord Jesus in our lives that truly brings lasting change. And when you read your Bibles, you realize that. You see it so clearly that no one who meets the resurrected Lord Jesus is ever the same after meeting him. Mary's life was changed the moment that she met the resurrected Jesus Christ uh, outside the tomb. Peter's life was changed the moment he met the resurrected Christ on, on that beach, you know, after the resurrection. Paul's life was changed on that dusty road to Damascus the moment that the risen Lord Jesus showed up and said, Paul, this is who I am. And the list goes on and on. Jesus changes lives. And he changes them completely. I mean, defeated disciples who are hiding away in the room, wondering if armed gobs are going to come for them next, become these fearless men of God who are in the temple courts preaching Jesus Christ. Women who are filled with mourning are filled with joy instead. Doubters become believers. Sinners become saints. That's the change that can happen. And even the most discouraged person can find their way into a vibrant and passionate relationship with God because Jesus changes lives. And one encounter with the risen Lord and a person's life is never the same again. And I know that's true personally because I know that Jesus has made a difference in my life. And I know you probably know that truth because he's made a difference in your life. And if we pass the microphone around this morning, I'm sure we would hear testimony after testimony after testimony about how Jesus has changed our lives and made a difference. And we've seen Jesus answer prayer. We've seen the power of Jesus save people from sin. We've seen hard hearts become repentant. We've seen people in bondage of addiction find freedom. We've seen people of selfishness become people who are generous. We've seen hope recovered. We've seen the gospel spread. We've seen lives change. All because Jesus is alive. And Jesus transforms our lives. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it so well. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. When you meet the risen Lord Jesus, he brings change. But you know what? A transformed life here on earth is not the only thing we receive. Because Jesus also offers us something else as well. Because he doesn't offer us just life. The resurrection means that Jesus also offers us life eternal. And you know, when the Bible speaks about Jesus, it says many things. But one thing that comes through loud and clear is that Jesus is life. John 11, verse 25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. John 5, 21, Jesus says, Just as my Father raises the dead and gives them life, so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Romans 6, verses 8 to 11, says, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. 
For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. John 6, 40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. 1 Peter 3, 1, verse 3 says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the living door and the resurrection. He's the bread of life. He's the water of life. He's the light of the world and the light of life. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should have eternal life. And that is our hope. And that's the hope of all who believe. Hope of the resurrection. Hope of life eternal in Christ Jesus. It's a hope that extends beyond this world with all of its problems. You know, this this world that's passing away and gives us the promise that we should be with the Lord forever. This life right now is but a shadow of the eternal and abundant life that we are promised in Christ Jesus. This life on earth is only temporary. But life in Christ is eternal. And even though for a little while we're all knocked down and we all fall down, we know that there is more beyond. More beyond this world, more beyond this life, and that the best is yet to come. Jesus' resurrection means that death has been defeated and hope and eternal life are now ours. That's the hope we have in Christ. And hope is what Easter is all about. So now, having heard that news, I want to ask you, how is your heart going to respond? And this is the next lesson we need to understand about Easter. And we're going to let Peter give us, the, give us some guidance in verse 12 of Luke 24 that says, But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. And what I just want you to see here is that Peter responded to the news of Jesus' resurrection. It was not enough for him just to hear the words and then go on with his life. He ran to the tomb to seek out Jesus. Peter's heart responded. And he wanted more. And that's something each one of us needs to do in our own lives. Each one of us needs to decide if we're going to seek out Jesus. Each one of us needs to respond to this truth that we have heard. Each one of us needs to determine what we are going to do when we hear that Jesus is alive. And, you know, I can't make this choice for you. Your parents can't do it. Your friends can't do it. Your church can't do it for you. This decision is yours and yours alone. You need to decide if you will accept Jesus and what Jesus is offering you. If you will accept his eternal life. And no matter what you have done or how far you have fallen, God is ready to show you mercy and offer you complete forgiveness today. Because what Jesus did on the cross, dying for your sins. And no matter how low or discouraged you may feel with all that's going on in your life right now, you need to know that the light and the hope of Easter can cast out any darkness and despair you're facing. You don't have to feel alone. You don't have to feel lost. You don't have to be afraid anymore because Jesus Christ has broken through. And today, Jesus wants to come into your life and offer you hope. 
Jesus wants to come into your life and just let you know how much you were loved and cared for. Jesus wants you to have an opportunity so that you can be certain about where you'll spend eternity. You can have that assurance. Because Jesus can help you overcome your past. Jesus will be with you in your present. And he can offer you a future that lasts forever. Because Jesus' resurrection on that Easter morning so long ago still makes a difference in our lives today if our hearts respond to him. You know, someone said about Jesus that he is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. He always was, he always is, and always will be. And he was bruised and brought healing. He was pierced and eased pain. He was persecuted and brought freedom. He reigns and brings peace. He was dead and yet brought life. He is everything for everybody, everywhere, at every time, and in every way. And when I fall, he lifts me up. When I fail, he forgives. When I'm weak, he is strong. When I'm lost, he is the way. When I'm afraid, he is my courage. When I stumble, he steadies me. When I'm hurt, he heals me. When I'm broken, he mends me. When I'm blind, he leads me. When I face trials, he's with me. When I face persecution, he shields me. When I face problems, he is the answer. When I face loss, he comforts me. And when I face death, he carries me home. He's my Savior, my guide, my peace, my joy, my comfort, my Lord, and my God. And if you're struggling this morning, if you're feeling knocked down, if you're feeling discouraged, if you're in need of hope, you don't need another sermon. You don't need to take a class. What you need is Jesus. You need an encounter with the risen Lord. You need to let the resurrection of Jesus become a reality in your life and let your heart respond to that truth. And whether you're making that choice for the very first time as you hear this morning, or whether you've known it for your whole life, I want to give you one final encouragement on this Easter morning. And that's simply to live this out. Let every part of your life reflect the reality that Jesus truly is alive. Because it's been said, I think it's far too true sometimes, that too many Christians live on the right side of Good Friday, but on the wrong side of Easter. They're living like they're still defeated. They live knowing the truth about Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. But they never really get to that place where they're letting the reality of the resurrection into their lives. And that's why God rolled that stone away from the tomb. It wasn't rolled away to let Jesus out. It was rolled away to let us in so that his strength could become our strength, so that his victory could become our victory, so that we could live lives that are reflecting the truth that Jesus truly is alive. Because that kind of life, that life of victory, that life of transformation, that forgiveness of sin, that hope for eternity, that that joy, that peace, that purity, that grace, that assurance, that's for us. It's ours to take hold of in Jesus Christ. His victory is our victory. Because Easter's not just a historical event. It's not just something that happened in history long ago that's kind of interesting. Easter is actually a new reality that we are to live in for those of us who are in Christ. 
Easter is to change us. It's to transform us and it's to transform how we see the world around us. And this morning we celebrate Easter. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We celebrate the fact that the Lord is risen. And when you really think about that truth, could there be anything, any words spoken, any news more exciting than that? Never forget that truth. Never stop living it. Never stop hoping it. Never let yourself forget that the Lord is risen and it changed everything. Let's pray. Father God, um, you took what seemed like a defeat on the cross and turned it into the ultimate victory on Easter morning. Lord, the promise of the resurrection, um, it just offers us life. And Lord, we know that all of us fall down. All of us face hardships. All of us get to sometimes to a very dark place. But Lord, even in those places, even when we're facing those challenges, even in those obstacles, Lord, the truth of the resurrection makes the difference. And let, Lord, you pick us up and you give us hope, you promise us eternal life and transformed, transformed lives. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, just as we celebrate Easter this morning, that, Lord, that you would allow our hearts to truly respond to this truth. That, Lord, we would accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That we would just allow the truth of Easter to live inside us and to transform us. And that, well, Lord, we would live out this truth every day, every moment of our lives living knowing that the Lord is risen and that that truth changes everything. We thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Let's